having a brand, having that culture and bringing the two together allowed us to have a proposition that we could go in anywhere because we created this reputation of taking care of our people and getting them to participate in a way that was actually fun. So they are the marketers. If you can get your people to be marketers, then you really have something. The word of mouth is the number one marketing of all, right? And that's going to really start and end with your people and your customers. And it works both ways because they are understanding and believing in this. And so they're talking about it. And when you're doing the branding and the kind of branding we were doing and the marketing we are doing, it feeds it back to them. Hi, Lani. How are you today? I'm great, Carrie Ann. So great to be here. Thank you so much for being a part of this. And I'm very excited because for everybody who's listening, just to give everybody the backstory. So I'm a financial services marketer like you, and I had the opportunity to go to a banking conference all the way back in 2004. So I was like about 13 at the time. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But went to, (laughs) yeah, I wish. Wow. (laughs) But in 2004, I got the chance to go to a banking conference and here I am coming from Jamaica, going to Vegas, and it was my first time in Vegas. And at the banking conference, I went to a workshop that was put on by representatives from Umpqua Bank. And uh, they were really just talking about their story as a brand. And at those days, you may remember them, I'm sure, they were talking about themselves as the unbank. The unbank. Mm-hmm. And I was just so intrigued by the story of here it is, what was what's really a traditional organization. Umpqua really has used the opportunity to differentiate themselves as a brand. And, and again, the unbank, yeah. and of course, I'm going to hand over to you because you're going to share more of that story with me. But it stuck with me. And even working in financial services in Jamaica, it was always a name that came up in our strategy and marketing conversations hmm. as what I would refer to as an iconic financial brand. And fast forward to about 2014, I think, I'm back in Vegas at the Financial Brand Forum. Big up to Jeff. The very first Financial Brand Forum. And uh, you were the first speaker, the keynote speaker, that kicked it off. And Umqua, I was in the front row. I was that excited to hear. (laughs) (laughs) I I was a real nerd. I was in the front (laughs) row just waiting to soak up everything that you were going to say. Because again, it's a brand that I've admired for so long. And I'm so happy to have you here. I know you're no long, you're no longer with Umqua at the moment. You're the founder of Woven, which is a brand and organizational consultancy. But certainly at the time, you were the EVP, Executive Vice President of Creative Strategies there. And uh, I, it was just an awesome talk. It's still up on YouTube, right? And uh, I'd love for you to just kick off our conversation today by sharing with us what you recall to be the kind of, I call it, the catalytic chain of events that led to Umqua's decision to transform itself. I'd be happy to. And I will just say, as as a consultant now and working with a variety of different organizations and and industries, this is still one of my favorite case studies. I'm so thankful, actually, for that time Absolutely, to, to try these new things. Just to set the context for anybody who is listening and has never heard of Umpqua Bank and Basically, this is a bank and an organization that started back in mid-1950s, and it was created for the reason solely to serve the people in the area in Southern Oregon because they needed the banking services and there were none, and it chugged along like that for decades, (laughs) (laughs) just 
perfectly fine. They got off to all of five locations. Oh. And at some point along the way, the board decided that they just wanted to see what else could be done. So yeah. they did a search for a CEO. They ended up finding Ray Davis, who was at the time had been in the industry for quite a while, but had been doing consulting. And he'd been testing these kind of ideas with bankers. And, and people were like, huh, okay. They were a little off the wall, but Okay. Mm -hmm. And specifically for small to medium sized organization banks, it was incredibly hard to compete with the big guys because you all sell the same products and services. Yeah. So you're never going to have as much, you know, cash on hand or resources or whatever to beat them yeah. at that game. Absolutely. So you had to figure out a different way to, to play the game. And that means what was the DNA of the company itself? What was authentic to this particular organization? Mm -hmm. And then to wrap a value proposition around that mm -hmm. at the core and then look forward. Yeah. So basically, that's what I already said, it was a community bank and it's created for and by the people of the community. Right. So his, the proposition that we landed on and that we stayed with and it was always coming back to this was we wanted to be a community bank regardless of our size. Because the goal was to grow, yeah, not absolutely. for the sake of growth, but to grow because we had an idea that we thought would work, right. right? to make a difference. So what we set out to do was to change and transform the operations of the company. Yeah. And and to do that in a way that was not about technology, mm -hmm. it wasn't about, it was about, it was really about people and inside. The yeah, company. absolutely. So one of the, just, I think the other early on thing is we said, Hey, what industry are we really in? And we sell, you know, banks sell products and services. Who else sells products and services? Let's see. Retailers sell products and services. So you can look at Macy's, you can look at Nike, you mm -hmm. can look at, you know, any number of BMW, whatever. You can look all over the place, <laughs> but there are products and services to sell and you want to do it really well. Yeah. And they were doing it a whole lot better than banks, frankly. So we decided to look there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and get some ideas right up front and, 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 out of that, though, we decided, okay, we're in the retail industry. So if we're in the retail industry, what are we going to do? What are we going to look like? How are we going to have a customer experience that is more akin, really, mm -hmm. to shopping? Mm -hmm. Right. And to do that, it really took thinking of ourselves differently. So the other area, in addition to retailing, is we started to look at hospitality industry. What are great hotels? What are great restaurants doing? And how are their people being in that? What do they do? What do they actually go and create that environment with? Yeah. And I'll just end that answer that question mm -hmm. by saying that we made sure at the very beginning that we took our people with us mm -hmm. on that journey. Mm -hmm. And and again, we might have had some ideas, but we let them also participate in that and actually come up with some amazing things. Right. So that's kind of how it started. Okay. And I, I what you just shared is a great segue into the next question because that's really the reason why Umqua is such an important brand and a case study, I think, that we need to include on a podcast like the Internal Marketing Podcast because I see Umqua as an organization that really does internal marketing very well. And I say that very cautiously because, again, internal marketing is a term that not many people use in that form. So you may, I'm sure Umqua probably didn't even call it internal marketing, but it's really about how an organization engages its people, its employees in a way that not only maintain strong engagement in and of itself, but how are they leveraging those employees to really become powerful advocates of the brand? And right. one of the things that struck me from your 
presentation was that it made a deliberate decision to build a culture around service and innovation. What are some of the people-based strategies that UMPA would have used to implement and sustain that very unique culture uh, among their employees? I'm going to add a couple other of the sure. strategies onto that. Sure. So for sure, number one was to, the first strategy was to create a culture around service and innovation, key, and, and then where we started. The second was to create a differentiated delivery systems, if you will. Right. Where were the touch points where people and your customers came together and how could we differentiate ourselves within those touch points? Uh -huh. And then third, going back to that value proposition, is if we were going to be a community bank, was how are we going to engage with community? Absolutely. So those three things always drove us. And, and just to put a big pin in that, over all the years, the tactics might have changed, but those goals or those strategy points stayed the same. Right. They guided us con consistently to come back to where we what made sense for us to make decisions. So some of the people-based strategies, one of the key things was, again, taking that notion of what industry we were in and, and grabbing some ideas was really to create a container, if you will, for the culture to thrive in. And that to us looked like instead of having a branch, it was to have a store. Mm. It was really to take that retailing idea full on. And we started with a test store and built it from the ground up and did all of these People walk in and be like, am I in a bank? What is this? And it was uh, a hugely different experience for people. Mm -hmm. It was one that was comfortable. Mm -hmm. You got to do more than banking there. And it was really about put, changing the, the, the environment. Because mm -hmm. anybody can go get a good architect and go yeah. and build a cool-looking facility. Absolutely. But it was really about the culture. Yes. It was really about what our people did inside of this thing mm -hmm. that made it so special and made it differentiated. So really, it was creating that. It was creating new roles for people. So you're no longer, you're a banker. But if you were going to work in a store, now you were going to become a universal associate. Mm. And what that meant was that you were going to learn all those roles. Mm. And you were going to trade what you were doing operationally around the store every couple of days. You'd be at Teller Row one day. You'd be at New Accounts the next day, drive through, whatever it might be. So mm. you actually understood all the products and services was really the key. Yeah. But that was big operational shift. So A was what it looked like. B was what you did in it and the new titles and all of that. And you have to train people around that stuff. Because to be, you know, one of the things that we also did was we wanted to hire people with great attitude. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. We could train them how to do banking probably. Yes, yes. <laughs> and there's some bankers coming in too, but we wanted to be able to get people with good at great attitudes. Absolutely. And so we were bringing people in from retail and other places. So one of the other people-based things we did was to create uh, the world's greatest bank university. Mm -hmm. So we had this idea of making sure that people were learning the ins and outs of banking umqua style though mm. so that included not just transactions 101 and loans 101 and all of that mm. it also included our way of doing it which included the ritz carlton we actually had the ritz carlton come in and teach our people on a regular basis about not banking right <laughs> but <enough>. about <laughs> hospitality and how to listen mm -hmm, for things mm -hmm. to to do this to surprise and delight people. Yes, yes. And that's what we really focused on. And then the other piece, though, is that if you're going to have this, you know, culture that you're really trying to get people anchored around, you need to create some rituals, mm. some things that you might do 
on a daily basis, let's say, that just remind you, mm-hmm. you're at Umpqua, and we do things differently here, and, yeah. and I'm part of it. Mm-hmm. So a couple things that are, are hugely quirky, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's not that I suggest this for everybody or any organization that you're in, but find those things that feel right to you. But don't don't shy away from things that are a little odd because they're memorable. Mm-hmm. So one of ours was that every morning at 9 o'clock, uh, we would have motivational moments all across the company, no matter where you were. Mm-hmm. Whether you're in processing in the back end or up in front in a store or loan officer sitting in an office place somewhere or wherever. Mm-hmm. And you took turns leading this motivational moment. Yeah. And so it could be about anything you wanted it to be, except for work. <laughs> Keep except <what>? for <laughs> Except for what we did yesterday, what's happening tomorrow. It couldn't be anything about that. Yeah. What it ended up being is it could be somebody sharing it could be jokes. It could be that somebody's teaching you a new dance. It could be that you're playing a game where you're running around with some something you're balancing while somebody's trying to knock you over. There was just all sorts of things. It would go on for about five minutes or so, but ultimately it would leave people laughing a lot of times, yeah. learning about each other mm-hmm. and that Building team relationships. And camaraderie. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's always an introvert or two. Yeah. So they had to come out of their shell and and actually do some of this. It became fun. Mm-hmm. And then I think those kinds of things just really connect people and allow you to remember. And by the way, odd as it was, if you didn't do them, it was grounds of being fired. It was like that serious. It's wow. holding people accountable wow. to the to these even these quirky things. So it's yeah, if you're gonna do these making sure people are, are doing them, uh consistently. Mm-hmm. Consistency is the name of the game on this thing for sure. Mm-hmm. The other one that that really drove people crazy. One of the things that people would always like though coming into the company, they'd be like, So we don't really have to answer the phone that way, do we? And it was like, What's that? And we answered the phone by saying, Hi, this is Lonnie. Thanks for calling the world's, world's greatest, greatest bank. bank. Ah, I remember that. World's greatest bank. <laughs> okay, that's the vision of that was the vision and is the vision of the company still. And it was created, by the way, by an associate. Mm, not the not leader of the company, but that's by awesome. an associate. Awesome. And it sits in every store. You'll see it up on the wall. But more importantly, mm-hmm. we wanted people to say it. Yeah. See, if you say it, you're going to, you have to be it. Yes. Yes. And, absolutely. And it, it's an impossible goal to be the world's greatest bank. Yeah. You're never going to, you're always going to have to strive for it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a tagline. It was really about being in this uh, way of being really to be yes. reaching for that on a regular basis. Yes. So those were those were great ways that we were really motivating people mm-hmm. around holding this culture true. Yeah. I, I wanted to just touch on something before I go to the next question, because you spoke about, you know, obviously, you're going to be hiring for right fit, right role, not only from a technical standpoint, but from a cultural fit standpoint, mindset and so on. And you also would be having activities as you said if you don't participate it's grounds for termination oops but but at the same time though i'm sure umpqua was not trying to force anything on their employees i'm sure for you you really wanted it to come from an authentic place is that correct yes yes absolutely Mm -hmm. you got to build understanding of what it is that you're going for yeah so we started these town halls essentially Mm -hmm. and the idea here was to allow everybody to be together to ask questions Mm -hmm. and every time we'd get plowed with questions and people sometimes opting out yeah frankly sometimes it's that's not no and again 
I am talking about all of this very holistically because that's the way I, I looked at things, even though I ran quote unquote marketing. Mm -hmm. And, but we were always there and always at the table. Mm -hmm. The town hall meetings, I helped design. There was mm -hmm. a kind of like, how do we bring marketing skill set yeah. into everything that we're doing? Yeah. Entertain and make sure that it, the quality's there and that there was color and fanfare and all these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But to, to do that using other kinds of tactics. Yeah. The other key one I'll say on people was we also had something called the President's Club. You could call them anything, but basically these were the, these were like the cheerleaders, like the culture leaders. Mm -hmm. And you had to be, you had to be voted in and you had to be majority vote yeah. before you could get into the club. But the idea was that these people were going to be the kind of, uh, monitor, not monitor, but be able to kind of test because they're all over the place yeah. four or five different states you have these people telling you giving feedback mm -hmm. about what they're hearing and sensing and they, and they became this uh, way that as we got bigger we could continue to touch mm -hmm. people and hear from people directly and then bring those uh, thoughts and ideas back and it was also a way for us to like if i had something specifically that i was launching or whatever it was a way to embed that into the culture not just send out a memo that said hey guess what we're going to be launching this new campaign yeah. that does this, that, and the other. It was more like having a conversation around it. And mm -hmm. here's what we want you guys to do with it. Right. There was always a part of it that was going to include the and people role. in some way, yeah. shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I'm glad you raised that point, Alani, especially when you're speaking about the town halls and the role that marketing played in designing them and executing them and how you enroll the team in things like new product rollouts. Because, again, going back to what internal marketing is, which is, again, how, do, how are you supporting or driving a process of increased engagement and empowering mm -hmm. employees to become advocates? When we talk about where a center of excellence for something like internal marketing would sit some people would say well, that sounds like hr's job the yeah. town hall meeting that's like a staff meeting that's hr's job and mm -hmm. it, maybe mm -hmm. it's just up to internal comms to send out an email to say hey guys by the way we're launching this new product heads up but but what yep. you're really saying is that marketing was really at the table bringing as you said that marketing approach to how it is you're engaging so you really like your marketing to your employees and pulling them in the same way you'd market to your customers mm -hmm. and pull them in so it, it, to, to transition then to the next question because you're talking about you're just sharing about all of the people strategies that you would have used how was the brand positioning impacted after all, all was said and done i will say the customer experience and the brand positioning we're really tied. I think you, you probably get that pretty clearly mm -hmm. by now, but, and it's more, we really looked at brand as it's more about what you do than what you say. Mm. So we were going to, we were certainly going to say a lot and run some ads and do some television yeah. and try to get that across as best as you can. But it's really hard to get emotions or get a feeling across right. in those types of modalities. So we did constantly look back at this environment that we had created and the people in the environment and to, to, to figure out ways to take, because if you were a client or a customer and you walked into one of our stores and this happened all the time, they'd be like, I love this place. But how do you bundle up that feeling that people have when they walk in and put that out on the street? So mm -hmm. what we did was to create something called handshake marketing. Okay. okay. And handshake marketing essentially was this idea 
that yes, we're going to do some traditional advertising, but we're also going to be in our communities and we're going to get out onto the street literally and do some other kinds of marketing. Mm -hmm. And we're going, our people are going to help us do that. We don't have hire 10,000 different marketing people. Mm -hmm. We're going to leverage the, the, the folks that work for the bank as well. And so we did call it handshake marketing. And so we, we decided to do in this particular town, we decided to do an ice cream truck. Yes. I and our first that. ice cream truck. <laughs> yeah. And so we, we repainted it and had it play good music or whatever, but we had our people drive it around mm -hmm. and hand out free ice cream and talk about Umqua. Wow. So it's, you can run ads, but they're like, yeah, I'm not going to believe that. But if somebody's going to talk to me for a second, hand me a free bar of ice cream, it's yummy. Yeah. And then I happen to go inside one of these stores and the person there saying everything's fine, then I'm in. Yeah. So marketing helped to do that. Yeah. yeah. Having a brand, having that culture and bringing the two together allowed us to have a proposition that we could go in anywhere mm. because we created this reputation yeah. of taking care of our people mm -hmm. and getting them to participate in a way in, in, in doing their job mm -hmm. in a way that was actually fun. Yeah. yeah. So they are the marketers. One of my points are that I might have run marketing at that time. Mm -hmm. If you can get your people to be marketers, mm -hmm. then you really have something, right? Mm -hmm. They are proud. Their word of mouth is the number one yeah. marketing of all, right? Absolutely. And that's going to really start and end with you, your people mm -hmm. and your customers. And and it, it comes back to the word authenticity because it's mm -hmm. not just about an ad, a campaign slogan that you slap on the television. It started with how are you engaging your people? The fact that they are engaged, they buy into, they believe in the vision and the mission of the organization and then they take right. that and, tra and translate that actually to, to the customer and so it would come out even in, in every mm -hmm. single activation and it works both ways because they are understanding this and believing in this mm -hmm. and so they're talking about it and when you're doing the branding and the kind of branding we were doing and the marketing we we're doing it feeds it back to them so it just it continues to inspire your people with both with what they are doing and how you talk to them inside the company, as well as what you do at, from a marketing standpoint outside the company. Right. That becomes a pride point as well. The ultimate objective of internal marketing is employee advocacy. And advocacy probably looks a little bit differently today. But again, based on your experience with them at the time, what did employee advocacy look like? I mean, were there any other ways in which employees were really leveraged seen or even volunteered or used to themselves independently as advocates of the brand uh, there are several there are some programmatic things that, that we did that was really run by employees and some ideas even came from them so there was brand advocacy that i can tell you about there you mentioned volunteer and so i'll just hit on that first too you might remember one of the one of the strategies was to engage in, in community yes. as one of our core ingredients there and we didn't, this part we didn't do in a way to, you know, kind of abuse in a marketing sort of way. We really took that seriously. We didn't run ads about it. We wanted to really give back and we really wanted to be involved. So there was a Connect Volunteer program that, that we paid people to go do 40 hours a year was our goal, that every single associate did 40 hours I remember that. Yes, I remember you shared yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And that, again, what was really cool about that is it, it, it became one of our biggest, quote, benefits. When you think of the benefit plan that companies offer, what our associates at the time were saying is that, yeah, I get great health care. 
benefits and I get a decent paycheck and this, that, and the other, but this Connect Volunteer Program is awesome. So it was, that was one programmatic thing that on, on that end. But the others that were more kind of marketing centric that we created, but they ran again, yeah. they being the associates of the bank was one, we had these stores and it was like, okay, let's like open it up to the community. So we started doing all sorts of kinds of activities day and night, depending on what the neighborhood was from yoga, move everything out and have wow. yoga classes to to, I remember we did small business dating or, or speed dating is what it was. They'd all sit in these chairs and we'd do, anyway, it was like this networking mm-hmm, thing that we ended mm-hmm. up doing. And that was in the evening, of course, because that's when small businesses could get together. Get together, right. Yeah. So a variety of things. And then we, we'd always ask the clients or the customers too, what would they like to see in these stores? And the other was that we had something called Local Spotlight, which we started, which Again, being a community and a local purveyor of localness, if you will, yeah. we created in the store, a store within a store, really. And so we took people who were in the neighborhood, retailers, local retailers in the neighborhood, and put their wares on display, yeah. little area, yeah. and do it really nicely, make some nice signage. We would, you know, it was run through my team, but it was managed by the local uh, team and the store. And to be honest, PR still exists. So public relations is still a really big thing. (laughs) It's when Good Morning America shows up because you're handing out lemonade stands and loans to kids to start their first business. Mm -hmm. I'll take that. And so it was like coming up with unique ways to to not only just get publicity, Mm -hmm. but to get also, that was that pride point. That's when the associates are also so engaged in the marketing effort that they are advocates yes. of actual campaigns, mm-hmm. the actual campaigns that you're running, not just, hey, this is a great place. I work here. These are our products and services. I'm really proud of them. <laughs> it was the whole nine yards. Yeah. So they're just so bought in at this point because they're part of it. Could you just expound a little bit on what was the marketing philosophy behind why marketing would have seen themselves as seen it as important to insert themselves at the center of their or certainly part of the center of what was happening with respect to driving engagement and advocacy and what did that look like exactly marketing people are creative (laughs) marketing people think outside the box Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. i one of the tactics i used was i kept my team really small Not partially because we didn't have a huge budget at the beginning, (laughs) but later when we had a little bit more, I still kept it really small because, frankly, I wanted to go out and find people outside of the industry, again, outside of my group Mm -hmm. to, to, to help charge new ideas. Yeah. So the role of marketing, again, is at the table to go and resource and find and orchestrate. Mm-hmm. and bring in and cultivate new ideas mm-hmm. throughout mm-hmm. and to be continually though one of those advocates for the vision of the company the purpose of the company the strategies that that we were using but to keep showing those up in different ways because even your employees like some of our employees have been there for decades frankly mm-hmm. and they get tired of stuff after a while too <laughs> so you do have to keep it charged inside as well as outside yeah. And to do that, you really do need to um, be be thinking differently. Yeah. And, and that's one thing I'll say also to all you marketers who might be listening is don't be afraid to take risks mm-hmm. on things. Rarely will you go wrong on that. And even if, even if it falls flat on its face, it's worth trying. Mm-hmm. I think the entire concept of Unquote was just that. Yeah. <laughs> it was the yeah. concept. <laughs> and it could have failed miserably yeah. at any point in time. Absolutely. But we built a 
yeah, we built a store, we created culture, and you know what? It, it, it worked. And did we have to change some things along the way? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But throughout it all, the great ideas of marketers were central to that. You were a small bank. You didn't have a big budget. So I'm sure your ROI must have been off the chain because as marketers, we need to be thinking ROI. But what was your ROI like based on the the investment that you made relative to how you saw the the return coming in? First off, many conversations with your CFO. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about it. You can, you get, yeah, right. You basically, I always thought of, of, marketing and <clears throat> this integration with culture mm-hmm. as an investment mm. it shouldn't sit as a expense right. it truly is an investment. preaching to the choir <laughs> okay and especially in having a real long game kind of attitude about that because while banks and, and traditional corporations are like quarter over quarter we've got to make our numbers it's very much about that mm-hmm. What drove at that time was we had, yes, we are looking at ROE and RO, but the other thing that we reported on, whether the shareholders were asking for it or not, but one of our measures was ROQ, which Mm. was return on quality, Mm. and that was our measurement, and that was the most important measurement in the entire company, and everybody that worked there knew that. It was not about the numbers necessarily. It was about how are we doing? on service Mm. how are we doing on our culture how are we doing in terms of the way that we're hitting that bogey that we have around being a community bank at any size and creating something of significance Mm. now and into the future to sustain ourselves because we knew that if you are able to create a culture of and have it aligned that you can get through any hardship Mm -hmm. right so when you have that, you absolutely have the power to pull and sustain it going forward. Mm-hmm. So we would incent people, mm-hmm. certainly, for doing a number of things, mm-hmm. maybe including some of that, but it was not only about that. We incented people to surprise and delight, to stand out because they were doing great service things, mm-hmm. and to tell those stories and to literally incent and celebrate them. Yeah. And in that, again, if you have pride where you work, you're engaged, and you've got this understanding that brand is you, mm-hmm. it's really different. And and so I think people really owned this yeah. company. And a, and, a strong um, emotional connection is what I'm like picking up from that. Yes. And that has bottom line benefit. Absolutely. That's my point. It is a long-term benefit that you see. Absolutely. I, I, I just have a question because we have been so trained to focus on the customer. And that's fine because it's the customers that allow us to eat. <laughs> so if they don't come, <laughs> yes. if they don't come and buy and we don't earn, I mean, we're, we're not going to have dinner tonight. So we get that. Okay. But I don't believe as marketers, we are wired enough to focus on Mm -hmm. employees and the role that employees and employee engagement and employee advocacy plays and especially now during covid where brands are are really being forced to be more authentic in how engaged how they engage their customers you're talking about marketing budgets falling uh, because companies are struggling employee advocacy is an Mm -hmm. inexpensive way to continue to build a brand and to drive sales what are some of the opportunities that marketers can look at and, and tap into? 
our constraint right now is we can't be in front of each other. We can't work next to each other. Yeah. And when constraints happen, they create new ideas. Mm. So as marketers, again, I do think we think outside the box. I do think if we can get leadership engaged in some of these conversations, that you that this is where in, innovation happens again, is these big moments. It's becoming quite evident right now that we, A, like people. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we are human and we want to be connected oh, somehow. And that we miss community, oh, yeah. right? So that's one thing. The other thing I'd say is that just to take this moment for a quick second here, yeah, sure. I think that businesses, regardless of industry, have both the power and the responsibility now mm. to make change for the good. Mm. Okay. And I think that is um, uh, something that marketing can grab onto. The consumer now looks at not just how cheap it is mm-hmm. or how quality it is or whatever mm-hmm. or how that experience was, but did you do right by your employee? Mm. How did you hire and fire? Mm-hmm. What are your supply chains? So what, what I'm inviting businesses to consider is to use that power, use that responsibility, and kind of start to shift into finding what's authentic to them, mm-hmm. but to make change for the good. Right. And your employees are going to like it. Mm-hmm. Your clients or your customers are going to like it. And your marketers can help you to design what that is. So, Lani, as my final question as part of this leg of the discussion is, for everything that we would have discussed here today, what would that final takeaway be in your opinion? Oh, yes. I've got a list of a few things. Yeah. But I think it's, <laughs> it's hard to narrow it down you know, to one. I'm sorry. I guess it's, <laughs> so feel free. Focus, if you got focus, more than one takeaway, go ahead. Yeah, well, maybe one umbrella thing sure. is focus on the outcome that you seek, not the numbers, mm. because the numbers become make you – you might be constrained by a budget, which is fine. Yeah. It just makes you think differently. Yeah. But focus on the outcome that you seek, the big picture. Mm-hmm. Not just, hey, we need to sell more of this little thing over here. What's the bigger picture? And yeah, do some selling of this thing, but keep moving towards what the bigger outcome is that the company seeks. Yeah. Why do you exist? What do you need to do? What do you want to be known for? Mm-hmm. And keep coming back to that. And everything else will come off of that. All these traditional marketing things that we do, digital driven or, or otherwise, are they're good. They're needed to be done. But if you can think long term and you can think, a big picture of that outcome that you want, and that will help drive. And then the other thing I'd say is whatever you choose as your strategies, your big game strategies mm-hmm. to keep pointing that direction, is to not go, not get talked out of them <laughs> <laughs> as a company. And that's really up to leadership. That's up to leadership. Yeah. you got to have somebody at the top doing that. Mm-hmm. And they need to understand that this is not a project. This is a journey. Mm. And everybody, if you can get everybody on that journey with you, it'll be a lot easier. Yeah. Everybody in the company, that is. Okay. So it's not a project. It's, it, it is a journey. It, you got to walk that talk. You got to keep it going. And it's fun and exciting once you get there. It can be tough work, but it's also going to pay off. Yeah. And then to just be consistent. Just really be consistent. Yeah. If you say you're going to be something, mm-hmm. you got to be like that inside the company and you got to be like that for your customer mm. or your product needs to be that way or whatever it is. You have to be consistent in that and stand up tall on it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Some awesome nuggets there. And, and Lani, just to close us out, mm-hmm. I like to ask my guests who always come and give so generously of their time and their knowledge, their <laughs> insights. How can we support you, Lani? 
oh, that's nice. I appreciate that. That's really sweet. I'm just glad you're doing this podcast. I think that's <laughs> wonderful. And it is, it is a, it is an area that, that I think you're right is not necessarily yeah. thought of as something that can be really leveraged. I don't know. If I can ever be of help to anybody, let me know. You've got my, my email there with you, but right. I, and you're welcome to So we can that include there, that in the I'm, show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So you can put that in there. And then I will have, I'm just redoing my website, actually. So okay. I have, it'll be at uh, woven-consulting.com. Okay, great. We'll definitely include all of that information in the show notes. Okay, okay. thank you again, Lani. This has been an awesome discussion. I'm so glad that I found you. <laughs> thank you, LinkedIn. I'm like, how do I find yeah. this lady after several years? It's wonderful. Thank you so much for accepting the invitation, for coming. I hope it was a nice little walk down memory lane for you. It was. Uh, it was some Thank awesome you. times. And we just wish for you all the very best. Continue to stay safe, you and your loved ones. So thank you so much again yeah. and all the very best to you. Thank you. My pleasure. Absolutely. So join us next time and we'll continue to flip the marketing conversation right here on the Internal Marketing Podcast. The Internal Marketing Podcast is available on your favorite podcasting app.